0: And we have to do our part, though. And what should we do? Follow the example of Jesus. Truly love by holding nothing back, but by giving everything. Now, in that regard, Jesus' words in the gospel are pretty striking. We have to hate, renounce, anything that keeps us from following him, from living with him and for him even our family if necessary, even our possessions if necessary. Scripture also affirms in the Old Testament, he says, I am a jealous God, and our God is a consuming fire. Jesus doesn't just want 10% or 25% or 50% or even 75% of our hearts. He wants all of us. And he also makes it clear in the gospel that if we're going to follow him, if we're going to be intentional about renouncing the things that keep us from following him and giving our lives to him, then if we resolve to live for him and with him and share in his mission as his disciples, then we need a plan. Just like a man building a tower or a king marching into battle, if we have an important project, we need to pay proper attention, give it the necessary solicitude, have a plan. That's because, my friends, we live in the real world, and things don't just kind of happen randomly, right? Relationships, for example, don't just flourish. We have free will, and if we want things to happen, if we want to obtain an objective, we have to be intentional about what we need to do to achieve it. We have to choose. We have to have a plan. If you read the Lives of the Saints, and I recommend them as phenomenal spiritual reading because you realize... That like us, they weren't perfect, but they figured it out and had things right. Their priorities right. If you read the lives of the saints, you'll find that the greatest saints and even the greatest mystics in the church were eminently down-to-earth, practical people. You read, for example, the letters, the correspondence of Saint Teresa of Jesus. That is Saint Teresa of Avila, who helped found the Carmelite reform in the uh, 16th century, along with Saint John of the Cross and she founded over 20 monasteries of the reform, of the Carmelite reform. And to found a monastery to get a property and then fill it with nuns and make sure they have food, clothing, shelter, furniture, the chapel, vestments, chalices, beds, everything requires concrete, practical plan. And if you read her letters, her correspondence is filled with amazing spiritual advice But they're also filled with practical things, like don't forget to pay the guy the 20 uh, gold coins for this or for that, right? The saints realized if they wanted to reform or found an order, start something new, achieve glory for Jesus, they needed a plan. As a matter of fact, as you probably know, all religious orders have constitutions and rules that are approved by Rome, which concretize their charism. If their charism is working with the poor, they have a particular constitution and rule which specifies how they're going to serve the poor in practical ways because they live in the real world and they need a plan to achieve their goal. Think about the goals you have had or may still have in your lives of pursuing studies, perhaps graduate studies, growing professionally at work and looking to your future and where you want to be, three years, five years, ten years from now professionally, keeping fit and the things that you do to keep fit, whether it's running or joining a gym or... To achieve these goals, you need a plan. What plans do you have? What are you being intentional about achieving now in your life? What is your greatest goal? What is your most hoped-for achievement? What do you desire to attain more than anything else? Remember that St. Teresa of Calcutta said, God doesn't ask us to be successful. God asks us to be faithful. Is not our ultimate goal, our greatest goal, our most hoped-for achievement to be saints, to make it to heaven? Is it not to be perfect followers of Jesus, one with him in love, knowing his peace and joy, being his disciples? Is our relationship with Jesus not the most important thing in our lives? If so, it's not simply going to flourish by default, by accident. Jesus can do everything for us. But if we don't receive his everything, if we don't do our part to correspond and to respond to that relationship, it's not going to be a relationship. It's going to be a one-way street. He can do everything for us, but we have to do our part for him. And we need to be intentional about it. We need to have a plan. St. Augustine said, God who created us without our will will not save us without our will. In other words, none of us asked to be born. None of us chose to be born. It was intentional about being born. But, we have to be intentional about our salvation. As Jesus says, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus doesn't bust down the door. He doesn't barge into our souls, into our hearts. He gently knocks on the door we have to do our parts to open the door so he can come in and we can share fellowship and communion with him somewhere i always think of this example and i never have it with me i have an old holy card somewhere old pious kind of kind of you know kind of cheesy 50s holy card and it's sort of the jesus with the red robe and the long brown hair and there's a little house and he's knocking on the door and there's like a vine over the door and that's all it is You look at it well that's nice jesus knocking on the door but if you look at it very closely and you think about it there's a real important spiritual truth in that image and that is there's no handle on the outside of the door. The door can only be opened from within. Jesus is always knocking. He wants to come in and sit down with us and have communion, intimate communion with us. The door has to be opened from the inside. He doesn't impose a relationship upon us. He proposes that relationship. So we have to do our part As the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, paragraph 2015, the way of perfection passes by the cross. There is no holiness without renunciation and spiritual battle. That is, this discipleship, as Jesus himself says repeatedly in the gospel, requires intentionality that means embracing sacrifice, hard work, effort, discipline, a rule, right? As St. John of the Cross said, que les cueste algo este Cristo. May he cost you something, this Christ. You know the saying, fail to plan, plan to fail. That applies to our Christian lives as well. There are practical, concrete things that we can do to be good disciples of Jesus, to follow him, to foster a good relationship with him, to be holy and to experience his peace and joy, his healing, and everlasting life. Again, Jesus freely offers that relationship with him. We have to do our parts to open our hearts. Now, if we develop a personal rule of life, incorporating those means of grace, those things that enable us to open the door of our hearts to Jesus, to let him in, to enter into communion with him, if we develop a personal spiritual rule of life, we will be challenging ourselves, we will be intentional about putting Jesus first, about being his disciples, about doing the things that we can do to foster that relationship with him and truly be one with him. Two general points about a personal rule of life, and I'd like to walk you through some specifics I recommend in terms of a rule of life. The first general point about a rule of life is, everyone needs one. Now, I think it's especially helpful to actually write it down. Some of us just have it in our heads, right? But everyone needs one. I strongly recommend a personal rule of life for everyone. And I can assist you this evening, and even privately, if necessary, in developing one. Everyone needs one. Fail to plan, plan to fail. Again, holiness isn't achieved by just kind of like just being blown around by the wind. You have to be intentional and deliberate about pursuing that relationship with Jesus, just as you are intentional and deliberate about pursuing your other relationships, your other goals, your other tasks and hobbies, So the first general point is I think everyone really should have a Christian rule of life, a spiritual rule of life. And the second general point is that it needs to be a balanced rule, right? We always avoid the extremes as Catholics, right? The one extreme is no rule at all. That's not good. The other extreme is a rule that is so draconian and so stifling that you can't possibly achieve it and you just wear yourself out trying to do impossible things, right? We want the Goldilocks Principle, right? We want a rule that's just right, that on one hand challenges us, but on the other hand doesn't overwhelm us because it's really unachievable. Now, those are general points. Everyone should have a rule, and that rule should have good Catholic balance to it. What I'd like to do is walk through with you now the elements that can make up a spiritual life plan, a spiritual rule of life, and to that end hopefully everyone got one of these passed out to them. If you don't, raise your hand and one of the gentlemen with with the cards will hand you one. So, let me walk you through this, uh, this rule of life checklist. This is something I put together, but it's not original in the sense that these are the fundamental aspects of what make up the Christian life. These are the four fundamental pillars of the Christian life. These are the fundamental means of grace that we can use to be intentional about putting Jesus first in our lives, and being allowing ourselves to be discipled by him. So these four basic pillars of the Christian life, prayer, celebration, learning, and sharing, are basically from the beginning, right? You read the Acts of the Apostles, chapter two, verse 42, it says, the apostles gathered for the teaching of the apostles, so the disciples gathered for the teaching of the apostles, for the breaking of the bread, for the fellowship, and for the prayers. Those are the four pillars that make up the life of Christ, the Christian life, the life of the church. They gather for the teaching of the apostles, that is the truth of what we believe, for the fellowship, that is for sharing the communal life in charity and serving one another in charity, for the breaking of the bread, that is the Eucharist and the sacraments, and for prayer, fostering relationship with Christ, with God, through that intimate Communication, which is prayer. These are the four fundamental pillars of the Christian life from the beginning. You see the Catechism of the Catholic Church is organized in that way. Of course, the original Catechism, the Roman Catechism, which was pretty much organized by our own dear St. Charles Borromeo, the first universal Catechism, had the same order, and it was copied by this Catechism that we currently have, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, given to us by St. John Paul. And that is the first section of the Catechism is the profession of faith what we believe the second section is the celebration of the christian mystery how we celebrate what we believe in the liturgy and the sacraments the third section is life in christ how we live what we believe in the life of charity with one another and with the needy and the fourth section is prayer how we pray how we foster that intimate communion with god in prayer so this spiritual rule of life checklist is based on those four fundamental pillars of the christian life perhaps with more modern subheadings but we begin with prayer. Now, I'm just going to mention each of these briefly in turn. Uh, A a meditation, if not a whole semester of teaching, could be given on each one of these. And as a matter of fact, a number of these things, because they are the fundamental aspects of the Christian life, have already been subjects of P3 meditations here. I think most of these probably have. And we begin with mental prayer, which of course is distinct from... Vocal prayer, such as rosary and other formulaic prayers. Mental prayer is that real quality heart-to-heart conversation that we have with our best friend, Jesus. Ideally, through the Lectio Divina, with the prayerful meditation of his words, so we speak to him from the heart and we let him speak to our hearts. You've heard me say it a thousand times. I'll say it till it's two thousand times. I'll say it as long as I'm a priest and God gives me life, as St. John of the Cross said, for no other occupation leave aside mental prayer which is the sustenance of the soul. What separates the men from the boys and the women this is me now, not John the cross. What separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls in the spiritual life is the daily practice of serious mental prayer. And I mean half an hour to an hour of mental Actually, there was this great, great quote from Saint I'm gonna I got this sucker up here. Um, great quote from St. Francis de Sales, another doctor of the church, master of the spiritual life, a famous quote of his he said, half an hour's meditation each day is essential, except when you're busy then a full hour is needed, right? Because the enemy of your human nature, if there's one thing he wants to stop you from doing, is really fostering intimate communion and communication and relationship with Jesus through quality mental prayer. So that's why this rule, this checklist is made up for you to use and fill out. Now, what I'll probably do is see if we can follow up with this talk, and when we post this on the podcast online, also post a version of this that you can use to print out and use over and over again or whatever, but the idea here is you you write down you know, when you're going to be doing this. You're going to be intentional about dedicating time to mental prayer daily. So there in the daily box, you write 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. if you're a morning person, 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. if you're a night person, whatever. The rule for prayer is what works for you, okay? but. It makes no sense for us to say that we are mature Catholic Christians that the most important relationship in our lives is our life with Jesus and we're not intentional about quality time with him in prayer every day. So you notice there's not just the aspect this of the Christian life here on the rule of life checklist, but there is the recommended allowance, right? So recommended allowance of mental prayer is daily. Examination of conscience also daily and nightly. Again, the two real keys of prayer for the day ultimately are that mental prayer time and that evening examination of conscience. I've given a talk before, you can probably look back in the podcast on how to make a good examination of conscience and why that's so important, going back and reviewing the day, thanking God for his gifts, asking forgiveness for our sins, and then resolving to do better with the help of his grace the next day. Every night before you go to bed, last thing you do is not check Instagram, not check Facebook, not check the sports uh, results, is your examination of conscience. Old school folks, kneel at the foot of the bed. You have your crucifix over the bed, you kneel at the foot of your bed, and you make your examination of conscience on your knees before you go to bed, last thing you do before you turn in. Devotion to Mary and the saints, absolutely necessary daily, especially to the Blessed Virgin Mary, who is the queen of all the saints. Ideally, the prayer of the rosary, it's not required by the church, right? But it is an extraordinary prayer. Extraordinary prayer because by meditating the rosary, you meditate the central mysteries of the life of Christ and of Our Lady and it is powerful against demons and any passions and demons that you struggle with. Penance every day some form of self-denial, right? Pagans are the ones that follow their appetites and their passions every day with no control whatsoever. A Catholic Christian exercises some form of self-denial every day and I'm not talking about fasting on bread and water every day. I'm talking about Maybe uh, drinking only water a day and no other beverages, or uh, it's up to you, maybe not meat one day, not beverage, not, no alcohol the next day, uh, no sweets the next day, but every day some form of self-denial. Food, ideally, but also other times, fa- types of fasting. I've given a talk this last Lent about fasting with all the senses, right? You can fast with screen time, you can fast by listening to only sacred music, etc. Every day, self-denial. As Again, St. John of the Cross deny your desires and you will find what your heart desires every day ideally you know every day is mental prayer time Uh, some people recommend also a monthly desert day so every day you have let's say an hour of quality time alone with the Lord Jesus once a month you spend like a half a day or a day sort of as like a retreat day with him just focused on him with several prayer periods and then ideally once a year you spend some quality time a long weekend or ideally even a week on an annual retreat when it's just you and Jesus for days on end. Best time of the year. As well as I recommend a pilgrimage. Take some time to make a holy trip, right? We make all kinds of trips. We go to the beach with our families or friends and we go to weddings and we, we take road trips for all kinds of things. Make a pilgrimage. You know, the, actually, the East Coast is there, saints all up and down the East Coast. We've got uh, Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton and her shrine, right up here in Emmitsburg, Maryland, that's the closest. St. John Newman and St. Catherine Drexel are buried in Philadelphia. St. Francis Cabrini in New York, in upstate New York, in the beautiful Mohawk Valley, the shrine of the Jesuit martyrs of North America. There, there are other shrines as well, but those are just some examples of holy places where saints are buried where you can make a pilgrimage. Prayer. Right? Be intentional about scheduling in prayer daily, weekly, nightly, as necessary. So pray, celebrate. That is the other pillar, which is the celebration of the Christian mystery, that is receiving and celebrating the beauty of the grace of God in the sacraments. Ideal, Of course, Sunday Eucharist, Sunday Mass, goes without saying. That's why it says weekly, because as we know, it's an obligation to keep holy the Lord's Day by attending the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Of course, more than an obligation, it's an invitation. Remember that going to Mass is always the Lord inviting us to Commune with Him and be one with Him as He nourishes us with His Word and feeds us with His body and blood. So, Sunday Mass without fail. Daily Mass occasionally when you can. Maybe you commit to, say, going to Daily Mass once a week or three to four times a month or twice a week as you can. It's not required, of course. All that's required in terms of Mass obligation is Sunday. But if you can go more often, so much the better. Same thing with adoration. As you know, we have adoration here every Wednesday night. Other parishes in the area have adoration. Every deanery in our diocese, every grouping of parishes, has perpetual adoration in some place. And so there are occasions to be able to stop by and pray in front of the Lord and adore him really and truly present in the Most Blessed Sacrament, a fruitful way of recognizing the Lord's Eucharistic presence. But remember, when we adore and worship him present Eucharistically before us in the monstrance or in the tabernacle, the whole point of this sacrament, the whole reason he instituted and founded it and gave us this sacrament, is ultimately so that we might be able to receive him in Holy Communion. So that's why Eucharistic adoration is under celebrate, not under pray, because the focus here is always thank you, Jesus, for this gift, especially the fact that you've given me this gift so that I can be completely one with you as I receive you in your most holy body and blood in Holy Communion. And, of course, celebrating the sacraments, the other sacrament we can celebrate regularly, Penance and reconciliation, that is, confessions, as we offer here on Wednesday nights and other nights and other parishes do as well. Central part of the Christian life, recognizing we are weak, imperfect, sinful. We can't do this on our own. We need God's forgiveness. We need the strength of his grace and the power of his mercy in that great sacrament of healing. So prayer and celebrate. Be intentional about mass, communion, and confession. And come up with a plan. Again, don't just kind of like go to confession whenever, it's good, especially, ideally, we have overcome grave sin and we are seeking to grow in the virtues, that being the case, then one wants to make sure one schedules a regular confession, once every two weeks, once every three weeks, once, I tend to go every two, three weeks, I need all the help I can get. Um, So, prayer, celebration of the sacraments, learning, again, the the apostles, the disciples gathered for, for the teaching of the apostles. Remember that studying and learning about our faith as Catholic Christians is never a merely academic or intellectual exercise. It's all about fostering an encounter with a person, with the person we're learning about is Jesus Christ, in union with his Father and their Holy Spirit, right? It's all about growing in our relationship with him. The more we know about him, the more we fall in love with him, and the more we seek to be one with him and are united with him. So again, study is never just an academic thing for us, and I recommend studying the faith, especially sacred scripture, weekly, set aside an hour, hour and a half, half an hour every week, some time dedicated to learning and enriching your knowledge of the faith in general. And also, along with study of the faith, spiritual reading, which is a separate thing. And spiritual reading is not prayer, and spiritual reading is not study. But as I say, A Life of the Saint, a great classic by one of the great spiritual writers, spiritual reading every week, sometime every week, focusing on the spiritual life. So again, you could do half an hour of study, and then back to back, half an hour of spiritual reading, or, or space them out. But where it says weekly, you want to fill this out and be intentional about every thursday night from eight to nine or nine to ten before i turn in or whatever i'm going to do my spiritual reading or i'm going to do my scripture study or my study of the catechism or whatever you want to learn more about in the faith i also recommend apologetics that is the science of knowing how to explain and defend the faith especially when there are so many people there's so much so many How do I say this? So many movements and so many ideas out there in the world that are so erroneous and so misguided and and so dismissive of Christianity. We have to be prepared, as St. Paul said, to give an account for the truth that we have learned and uh, really be able to explain and defend the faith for people that really wander in darkness and in the shadow of death. So pray, celebrate, learn, and be intentional about sharing the faith. Share in a fellowship group. It is crucial that we find our own support among fellow travelers who are also on the same pilgrim journey as we are. We can't make it ourselves in this world which is increasingly anti-Christian, antithetical to what we believe and what we teach. It's crucial that we join and have a fellowship group. Like here at St. Charles, we have over 20 fellowship groups, small groups of men and women, some for couples, where people gather usually weekly to foster, to pray together, to, to accompany one another in the spiritual life, to study the faith together, And that's crucial in this world. So be intentional about regularly joining a fellowship group. Also, be intentional about serving the church, right? Dedicated time to the parish and to the needy. Resist the millennial temptation, if I may say that, to be a consumerist and flit from parish to parish or event to event where you're receiving and getting and enjoying. And be intentional about committing to giving back, right? So, for example, P3, I see many of the same faces here every week, even year after year. But we have the same four volunteers doing setup every week and taking everything down and serving adoration and everything. And we reach out and we ask for people to volunteer. People are loath to volunteer. Maybe because you're so busy doing other things at other parishes if you're not from this parish. But you should be intentional about giving back your time and talents to the church that nourishes you and gives you Jesus and gives you so much. So sharing your time and service, sharing from your financial resources, right? If you can head out with a bunch of friends on a weekend evening and blow 50 bucks on tacos and a bunch of mixed drinks, uh, you can put 50 bucks in the collection plate or ideally electronic giving, which is even better, right? Be intentional about giving from your financial resources to support the mission of the church, including those who are needy. And finally, share the faith, and this of course always, in evangelizing, right? If we really have encountered the Lord Jesus who saves us from sin, who sets us free from our passions and demons, who gives us a deep lasting peace and joy, salvation and everlasting life, we're not gonna be able to keep that to ourselves. We're gonna wanna share that and we need to share that with others. So part of being intentional about being a disciple of Christ is also being an apostle and sharing with others what we ourselves have learned and received. My friends, fail to plan. Plan to fail in your relationship with Jesus. Be intentional about coming up with a personal, spiritual rule of life. Use this checklist, which which encompasses the fundamental means of grace, ways that you can open your heart to encounter the Lord Jesus. And these are not just... Ticking stuff off. These are not just kind of rules for rule's sake. These are means to an end. Let's keep our eyes on the prize and focused on the end. Again, if the rule is so draconian that you're losing your peace because it's impossible to achieve, then you need to mitigate your rule, right? But again, these are not rules for rule's sakes. They're means to an end that help us Foster that relationship with Jesus and the last thing there is to have to have a guide or at least a spiritual friend If not a spiritual director that you meet with formally monthly to review your spiritual life And who's gonna hold you accountable to your commitment to putting Jesus first in your rule of life at least a spiritual friend Maybe a brother or sister from your small group or someone you know that that's walking and, and accompanying you on your pilgrim journey meet with them on a regular basis and share your rule of life with them so you can hold each other accountable to put Jesus first So my friends, that's it, spiritual rule of life checklist. I encourage it to all of you, Uh, and uh, if you have any questions, you can always follow up with me or any other priest that should be available to you for direction or for at least uh, reviewing a rule with you and helping you come up with a rule that works for you. And so let us put Jesus first. Let us be intentional about our relationship with him by committing to pray, celebrate, learn, and share these spiritual ways, in these spiritual ways, so that we can really continue to grow in union with him. Amen.